morning, everyone, and welcome to Digital Wellness with Dr. Mary. I'm your host, Dr. Mary, and I am joined by our associate producer, Richard Sinamarte. Good morning, Rich. Good morning. How are you guys doing? How are you doing, sir? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Believe it or not, no one else in my house is awake. Um, so there you go. <laughs> and you know what's funny is today we have such an important show lined up for you listeners, even though no one in my house realizes how important it is, because we're going to start talking about addressing the rising concerns around digital addiction and its impact on children and therefore on adults. Wow, yeah, that is right. It is a hot topic. And it's not just causing a stare among parents, but also lawmakers and who are also taking actions. If you've heard of the instance in Florida, mm-hmm. they're looking into creating some really, really strict social media pro- rules or prohibitions in the country. Um, they want to restrict access to many platforms for anyone under 16 year old. And that's a significant step, in my opinion, towards safeguarding children, Richardson. But uh, And it's not just lawmakers taking action. Social media giants are also in the spotlight. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg made a, a recent apology to the parents of online child sex victims during the Senate hearing this week that sparked quite a debate. And the other thing that happened that really brings digital addiction into the forefront and as you know, I have a book coming out on the topic, is Elmo tweeted on X something as, you know, Elmo, the, the Sesame Street character who yeah. I adore. Uh, Jaya, my daughter, liked Elmo when she was little, too. I think everybody likes Elmo. And he just <laughs> did something like, oh, how's everybody today? And the responses were overwhelmingly negative. And what's interesting, Richardson, is we're seeing the exact same statistics reflected on our um, uh, our platform where people uh, get customized mini breaks or micro breaks that we call them. And last year at this time, we were on more good days than we were bad days. This year, when I look at what's happening on our platform, everybody's having a bad day. And my theory is it's because of social media. And a lot of people think that Mark Zuckerberg's apology didn't go very far. Didn't go far enough. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I heard that the New Mexico um, Attorney General Rahul um, Torres, who is suing Meta, um, uh, stated by Mark Zuckerberg's apology, he said it's a little too late you know there's skepticism about what whether social media platforms can truly protect children and i really believe that i I think that it goes on both sides right um can these platforms really protect children and and uh what are our responsibilities as uh, users what are what are we doing to protect ourselves as well I think so. I think, you know, we're, we're obviously going to talk about digital wellness parenting today. But I think one of the things that we really start to need talking about is the exploitation of children and how children are getting access to digital. In my mind, digital is something that adult brains are still struggling with. We're seeing depression. If you look at what digital addiction is, and and we can talk about that, like there's a lot of full-grown, healthy adults 
who slip into these terrible situations because of the way social media is designed. It's designed to keep you on there. It's designed to give you the information you think you need, whether that's right or wrong for your brain. And there's no micro breaks in the, that, that constant feed. So people used to say, my mom used to say all the time, um, TV is going to rot your mind. And I grew up near a port here on Michigan, uh, where in Detroit, where there was WKBD TV and there was a man called Bill Kennedy who was on with old movies and he talked about old things and I would kill to watch Bill Kennedy. And my mom was convinced that this was going to ruin my mind. But in the Bill Kennedy show, there were lots of little breaks whether it was for Ginsu knife commercials, whether it was for anything. We don't have that on social media. There's no break. Sure, you can set your phone to that, but then you just click through it. And so today, I think as we delve into this topic and its consequences, I'm interested in what people out there have to say about this topic because digital addiction is now becoming a social topic. It's not just something digital psychologists are talking about and psychiatrists and physicians. It's what parents and society are beginning to talk about. And imagine how hard it was for those parents to go into court and go into, sorry, not to court, to Senate. So, you know, I think that's what we really need to start thinking about and looking at how society is addressing it. 100% agree. Um, and I'm so, I'm so happy we're talking about this topic and I'm looking forward to your insights on how um, digital really can harm us and the backlash of it. Uh, but before we we move on to our, our break, um, I just wanted to reach out and, and ask our audience and our guests, our listeners who have the wonderful insights, and I would love to hear them. You can text us uh, at 773-763-9278, or you can call us and, and we'll be happy to hear your voices. That would be lovely. And as we go in, let's listen to a relaxing binaural beat that Devin's going to play for us, just to calm us down on this hot button topic, just for about 30 seconds. Thanks, Devin. Welcome back to Digital Wellness with Dr. Mary. In this segment, we're diving deep into the realm of digital addiction and its consequences. Before we get into the science behind it, I want to remind our listeners that you can join this conversation by texting us at 773-763-9278 or just call in because we'd love to hear your thoughts and your questions on this valuable topic. That's right, Dr. Mary. Your input is so invaluable to us, so please don't hesitate to reach out. Now let's get back to the issue at hand, the very, very hot topic. <laughs> We've discussed the recent developments in Florida and Mark Zuckerberg's apology during the Senate hearing. I also wanted to know if you think it was authentic or not. Um, it's clear digital, digital addiction is growing. It's a growing, growing concern. 
it's huge. Um, in terms of whether I think, I think it's irrelevant. I'm, I'm, I have no opinion on that topic because I can't know what's in his head or what's in his heart. But I do know, and data is proving, and the parents in the courtroom are proving, that harm is caused by, dig, you know, the harm caused by digital addiction, by constantly needing that dopamine hit. Great book, Dopamine Nation. If you have time, give it a glance, give it a read. <clears throat> but it's, it's significant. If we look at it at online gaming, which I know you do, you compete and play against each other with Xboxes and all of that kind of stuff, oh, with um, young girls comparing themselves to other girls. Um, I just read an article in, I think it was one of the psychology journals, that, that was paraphrased in the New York Times that said, all people are starting to look like the Kardashians. Everybody wants to look like a Kardashian. And if you walk down the street, everybody's a Kardashian. That's all from social media and digital addiction. That's the outcome of social, um, of, of digital addiction. And, you know, if we look at um, my new book, Digital Addiction, I talk about young teenage or early 20s men that are stuck in their parents' basement playing these games and smoking pot and other people like young 11, 12-year-olds that can't get off their phone, that are watching their phone, that aren't having human interactions. It's very much a storybook, but I do delve into the complexity of these issues and how it impacts our lives, primarily because it impacted my life. So let me just share with you a little snippet from the book that I know you've read. Um, and it's a tiny book. It's a micro book. And it's kind of funny. The reason for that is because my other book is a full-length, wonderful book published by McGraw-Hill. It took me two years to research, um, hundreds of you know pages. It's a phenomenal book, uh, message received. But now people are cutting chapters out of that, putting it into a chat GPT and making other books based on my work and my research with 34,000 people. So I had researched over 44,000 interactions on our platform for digital addiction. I was writing this book, but I was told, not just by my daughter, but others, why write a long book? Nobody's going to read it and everybody's going to copy it. So I created it in a story that talks about my brother Tim and I's experience with online gambling. And what I want people to know is digital addiction is not merely a habit, but it's a condition where our digital interactions begin to negatively affect our mental and physical health. Excessive use of digital devices can lead to a heightened psychological stimulation. So what that means is your body's on edge. You're in fight or flight. So the more you're playing with your phone, the more you're driving right now and flipping through Facebook or Instagram or checking your feeds, the more your body's beginning to respond. And check your body right now. If you're flipping through your phone while you're having your coffee and listening to me, 
Look at where you're breathing. You're breathing in your chest. You're not breathing through your stomach. You'll probably notice the more you use your phone, your shoulders are going to become more concave. Your neck is going to be down. You're going to begin to feel that pain from your neck to your head. All of this results in sleep deprivation. And we know how much the sleep deprivation industry is now taking from us. Like hundreds and millions of dollars on getting better sleep. We begin to neglect our basic needs, which is what we're seeing with um, primarily young men in basements. And it's limited physical activity, which we're seeing with children because they're not getting out. And this spirals into mental health problems like depression, OCD. It weakens family relationships and it creates anxiety. I wonder if anybody out there has ever experienced this. If you have, I'd love to chat with you about it because I know I have. But call 773-763-9278. Those are powerful words. And your book really is amazing. And it touches on so many points as you, as you, <laughs> as you have talked about. And um, I, I, as you were explaining your book, it's... So many thoughts came to mind when, let's say I'll I'll be taking the TTC and, you know, when you talk about social media, I always thought that, you know, be, you know, high school kids who will be delving into it a lot more. But I'm seeing a lot of adults now who are on uh, like not only Facebook, but on TikTok and Instagram. I'm like, whoa, I thought, you know, these apps were more meant (laughs) for like teenagers, but um, now you're just kind of seeing the impact of it, even on video games, as you explained, I, I can totally see how it affects us. And and now that I'm thinking back, it's kind of exhausting because when you when you are playing video games, you just kind of you'll lose one game and you're like, oh, OK, let's go, let's go. And then all of a sudden, six hours has gone by, eight <laughs> hours has gone yeah. by. And you're like, what? Your yeah. eyes are sore, but then you still don't want to get off. So right. the, the effects is crazy. It's it's very, um, it's evident. Um, it just, yeah, as you said, like these issues go way beyond just the screen time. It affects our overall well-being and even our relationships. Can you tell us more about the science behind digital addiction and why it has such a grip on us? I can absolutely talk about that. And, and I'd love to talk about that into the next, as, as we go into the next segment. And But one of the things I want everybody to think about is um, if you've ever seen a child and you're trying to get rid of their soother, and you can actually physically see as they get older, not when they're babies, but as they get older, when they're three, four, five, when they're having problems getting rid of a soother, which is something that babies suck on and um, it, it gives them comfort, that, that comfort level. You can see what it's doing to their emerging teeth, what it's doing to um, their facial features, but the baby doesn't want to give it up. And really, when someone's three, I think they're still babies. And you have to work with them and condition them differently to give up that soother in a gentle way because that's what's best for them. 
And that's what I want you to start thinking about. Social media was designed to be that soother for everyone. It gives you the likes and the dopamine hits so you feel less lonely or Conversely, you feel more lonely. That's the thing about our brain. It's like a lock, and there's chemicals in your brain. And if the secret to the lock is 555, when so your dopamine is at like 7, and your serotonin's at 3, and um, your neurotransmitters are at like 2, your brain isn't working. So you can't open the lock. And that's what's happened when you keep that soother for too long. Your mouth isn't working. Your teeth aren't developing. And social media is designed to keep you there. So, of course, it's going to, you know, play with the, with the emotions in your head. Um, and so I think, I think now is a good time just to go right in and, and jump right into this. And typically, we take a break here, but... I think we should really dive into the book and look at what's happening and and look at how people are dealing with some of these things because that's really what the book is about. Um, so, Richardson, why don't we go back to you know your experience reading the book because it doesn't come out for another month, basically. But, Rich, what did you think? As I said, like it dived into so many aspects. Okay. Uh, you have to let me know what I can say and what I can't say. <laughs> you know, I don't want to like spoil anything because there's so many, there's so many insights in there, and there's so many chapters that I personally loved, and I was like, wow, that is, I can really, really relate to that. And other chapters, I'm like, wow, I did not know that. So, for example, I don't want to go too much into detail. Um, okay, maybe I probably. <laughs> you can go ahead. Like, okay. It's so um, the one that really uh, got me was the video games because I so um, in in the book there is a shop where everyone comes and, and mm-hmm. converses about um, their digital well beings, but there is this young man um, who <laughs> who's a student and he goes plays video games and that that if. I can relate to that because, first of all, I'm a student, too. Um, And at times I would want to, like, uh, de-stress with um, some video games. Could be actual video games or mobile games or whatever. But in the book, he actually could not get off um, his video games. And Mm -hmm. um, hours and hours go by and you can just see the the effects and the impacts on him. And so that really uh, resonated with me. And... So just dealing with that was the suggestion was taking a micro make taking a micro break, seeing how mm-hmm. how much time you can just get away from that because that's causing much harm. And so I'm now looking at it. That's the lesson that I've learned from it, and that's the lesson that the young man also learned from it, and he really benefited from it. But in the book, it, it as I said, touches on so many aspects, touches on financials, you know, um, family ties, how it, it separates and, well, how digital addiction separates uh, family interactions and, and seeing the distractions with all these things that's happening around us. And so it's a really big problem that the book has kind of have has the solution to. 
and what we can do to benefit from it. And I love that. And that's what I got from it without saying too much. (laughs) I'm so glad because I know the person you're talking. Well, obviously I know the person you're talking about because it's all based on real life stories Mm -hmm. and real life people that I've dealt with. But the thing is, I didn't want that person who's well over 16 Mm -hmm. to give up what he loves, which is playing these games. That's, that's fun. Everybody played games. You know, I remember uh, playing some video games when I was younger. It was a great break and it was such a good social thing. But what you have to begin to do is just like everything else, manage it and understand the harm it's causing when you do too much of it. You know, if our phones were um, drugs or alcohol, the governments would be on top of this like nobody's business, but they're not Yeah. because the government is using it to, to push their agenda. All governments across the world are using it to push their agendas. And that's another thing that, you know, we talk a little bit about in the book, like you need to be able to determine how you do it. And the best way to do it is micro breaks because it clears your mind. Um, it, it, it can take just three minutes. You can, we have movements, we have binaural beats, which we always play on this show because we get such a nice response about it. We have stories, practical stories on how to deal with things. They're all three to five minutes. Our movements are less than a minute. We have eye yoga, we have sleep yoga, we have all kinds of things that you can do to take a little wee break and calm down. But in that case, we're using digital for good. People can't put down their phones. The average person glances at their phone 2,100 times a day. For children, it's even higher. That it's that is a lot of times, um, but you you know I. One thing I love about your book is how um, how how much you went into uh, your brother's story, and that was mm-hmm. very uh, touching and a personal state. Um, I personally would want to. I don't know if you would like to share that, but I would want to hear how that all started. I'm pretty sure you've shared that with others, but I personally want to know. Even after reading the book, from your words, how it all started. Well, I think, you know, all of this started first because of um, a car accident I was in. Um, My life changed. And I, who had specialized in communication my entire professional life, couldn't read or understand or comprehend an email. And it was a concussion. And that's what concussions do. And it messes up your brain. It's a head injury. And so what began is I had to relearn communication. I had to relearn patterns. I had to figure these things out. And yesterday I was talking to a neuroscientist, uh, Jean-Pierre, and we were talking about my research. And what he said is most people don't understand the injuries that they're inflicting upon themselves by staying online as long as people are doing and not getting outside. Um, And so what I started to look at when I originally read some of the neuroscientists and their research was the physical changes that occur in people. So during Thanksgiving, um, my brother, who is 
like a great guy, really funny. Um, he has a great wit, and he's <clears throat> always making silly jokes and just stuff like that. Really good with his nieces and nephews. His whole personality changed all of a sudden, like in just half an hour. And I was like, "What the heck?" Like you know, you're 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 trained to look for drug addiction and all of these kinds of things. Everybody knows the signs. Like we read it, and we're just like, "Oh my gosh, did something happen here?" But what it eventually was is he had made a really big bet on a football game. And what had caused that bet after conversations with him is loneliness. And what nobody had ever really begun to explore is the relationship between mood and betting. And I spend a lot of time looking at how we can shift your mood in three to five minutes because I needed my mood shifted and what worked. And I found the research that goes back to the 1980s. And what I realized is if Tim had had some sort of interventions in those times, his mood could have shifted and he would have made a smarter bet instead of making this crazy risky bet because his dopamine was too high. And what we do is give your brain the opportunity to let the serotonin go in and just create nice waves and calm everything down. So that's really what we began to do. And that's how the book started. And then we began to chat more. And then as I chatted more with Tim, I talked to different people about it and different people started calling me about it. And as you know, I did a lot of TV before and people started asking me about this. And that's how the book developed. And, you know, one thing sticks with me is I was on television with a talk show that was all women hosts. And the one woman um, was talking about somebody who was trolling her. And, and he was horrible. But she couldn't let it go. She kept responding to him. She couldn't put down her phone. And it occurred to me that she needed to start using these micro breaks. And what could I do to get her to realize? And then I realized sharing the story of myself, my experience, my brother's, and other people that I've talked to, including families of young people, businessmen who don't see, or excuse me, business people who don't see the problem, but are now beginning to understand it's a crisis that's coming. If you're a business on digital, you better start paying attention to what's going, what's happening with all these people. And as a business person myself, I'm looking at it and I'm assessing the risks. Okay, what are the risks to our business? What is the risk to our profit? What is the risk to everything else? So that's the first thing um, that and how the book started. But I do have a question here from a listener. And um, I'd like to ask everyone to think about this and then we'll talk about some of the answers. So the listener says, what is one potential consequence of excessive screen time on sleep? So let's give everybody a second. Oh, here's another one. All right. They have a question, too. How can you practice mindful phone usage during meals? Interesting. I like it. 
What is one tip to help reduce screen time for children? What do you have, Rich? Um, what? So I have another question, or do you want me to answer it? No, no, no. We'll okay. go to the answers yeah. in a second. Give me. Okay. Let's just, so the question let's... that I got was, what's the term uh, for the fear of being without your mobile def- your mobile phone? Oh my gosh! Wow. Who thought of that? That's a, that's a great question. Yeah, that's a. Okay, and the okay. The last question I think we should discuss that was just texted in. Thank you for that. Is what is one effective way to create healthy boundaries with your digital desi- devices? So, okay, let's just jump back to the answers. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you this question, mm-hmm. and um, you tell me what you think. What is one potential consequence? Oh, I just read one. Sorry. What is one potential consequence of excessive screen time on sleep? Why don't you read one of the answers, Rich? Okay. Answer one. Okay. So, sorry. Okay. So, the responses we, um, receive was uh, so um, highlighting the excessive screen time before uh, bedtime can lead to difficulty sleeping like falling asleep and disrupted sleep patterns this is that's absolutely correct Um, I don't know if you felt the symptoms of uh, sore eyes and you, you feel tired, but you don't, you can't sleep. <laughs> I definitely yeah. felt that before. So um, I totally agree with that. I think that's absolutely right. So in my group discussions with people getting ready for the book, people mentioned that they were checking their phones before they go to bed. And then they're surprised they have trouble sleeping. And it's a common issue. See now that leads me to a question, but I want I want to answer these questions. Okay, so I know that yeah, people will check like their phones uh, at nighttime, but um, and I'm pretty sure that's a question that was asked too. But sometimes it's very hard not to like to get on your phone. Like, what are the ways to try to avoid using your phone before bedtime? Why do you need to use your phone before you go to bed? Are you curing cancer? Nope. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if you're not curing cancer or have patients in the hospital, as an emergency physician would, or on call, really and truly, why do we need to check our phones? Mm-hmm. So why do you check your phone at night before you go to bed? I don't know. It's kind of like a... Uh... That's a great question. I don't even know myself. It's something that I just kind of do. You know, the phone is right at hand. Exactly. (laughs) Why becomes the question. You have to ask yourself, why? What am I going to get out of it? I know what social media is getting out of it. They're making money from me. The more time I look at this, I'm giving them money. Right? Straight up. So what are you getting out of it? Are you getting healthier? Probably not. (laughs) Are you going to sleep better? No. Nope. Sore eyes. Sore eyes. They're going to toss and turn all night. The chemicals are going to be off. The physiological effects of look. So, you know, ask yourself, am I curing cancer? 
will this help cure cancer or save a life if I look at this phone? The answer is no. I, that's yeah. the easiest way to say it. And that's kind of tough love, but the phone isn't you. Yeah. Unless, of course, you're on call or, you know, we work with the armed forces. There are times where they need to keep their phone by them and check them and they're, they just don't sleep. Yeah. And you know what? You're right. Sometimes we do need that tough love. And especially at a time like this, um, where you see a lot of um, effects of uh, the digital device and how it affects our bodies and our well-being, I think we we do need to have that tough love. I, I guess that's why they're trying to have these strict laws in Florida. You know? And I agree with those laws. I, I, I can't tell you. Like, my daughter, when she got a phone, um, she I thought she was being really good about it. And then mm-hmm. one night I woke up in the middle of the night and she was on her phone. <laughs> and <laughs> I lost it. Like, I wasn't even calm about it. I think I could have possibly thrown the phone down the stairs and crushed it. <laughs> but I can't 100% remember. And from then on... Everyone in my house had their phones downstairs because mm-hmm. we live in an old house. You can hear somebody going downstairs. And with mama hearing, you can hear everybody. Mm-hmm. It was, And she got into trouble with that phone. It's not like she didn't get into trouble. The police had to come to our house trouble. Like people were preying on her. And so all of these things, like I'm not speaking about stuff from... You know, an airy-fairy academic standpoint. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking as a mother who had to go through this. And I don't know any mother who of a Gen Z who hasn't had to think about this. And we trust our children implicitly. Do not trust the people online, ever. No good comes of being on your phone at night. Nothing good happens at nighttime. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. And as you said, like... These that your experience is not just a extreme experience, but nowadays it's so common. It's so so common, and a hundred percent agree with that. Um, and so, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. I was just I, I was somebody just sent in. You know, what is one tip to help reduce screen time for children? Yeah, I, I was gonna ask. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of funny. Um, what is one tip? to um, reduce your screen time with children. Well, as you know, mine throwing the phone away probably isn't the best. (laughs) Um, But we did come up with really great rules, which were um, keeping the phones downstairs. I know some parents who just put them in a cupboard and put them up where nobody knows where they are or lock them under in their room, under their beds. Again, no one needs a phone. No one needs a phone at night. No one needs a screen at night. You know, millennials grew up with computers being watched in a family room by their parents. And the thing about the phone is nobody realizes how dangerous it is. Nobody realizes how all of those impressions are affecting young children. And we're just getting into the research on that now. I'd, I'd, I'd love to have some of the specialists come in and talk about this. But just think about it. 
just think about what screen time does. So, you know, think about the best way for you to put the phone away, for you to hide the phone. If you live in a bachelor, can you hide the phone in your purse? Can you hide it between, you know, your mattress and the floor? What can you do? Think about all those things you can do and think about doing it for yourself because you too need a break. Yeah. It's it's wonderful to see that our listeners and those you spoke um, with are committed to guiding children towards healthier screen habits. Um, I really 100% believe that, well, we all know that children are very impressionable. And when we can create a norm uh, of not relying on our phones, uh, they they see that and they'll be like, okay, this is normal. I don't have to be on my phone all the time. And well, I, I love what you said. It's, yeah, it's great. And, you know, you need to set limits. And you're the parent. You're not the friend. Yeah. <laughs> set limits and provide alternative activities. Find other things to do. You know, it's interesting. I don't know how true this is, but I read somewhere that none of the major CEOs who were at that table have allowed their children to have phones. Discipline. <laughs> So, you know, and they know what's going on. Um, So clear boundaries. And as a family, I would decide those boundaries. Um, Children are going to say no boundaries, but let them get over that. Um, But start to let them explore other interests, whether it's drawing with a pencil, whether it's Play-Doh, whether I don't know. Like you can still use Play-Doh and Lego when you're 13, 18, 26. I'm a big believer in building models and encouraging children to use their um, imagination. One of the things we see in university is people that don't have imagination. (laughs) And they can't problem solve because they're so used to Google problem solving for them. That's a problem. If you can't problem solve, you can't write a good essay. You don't understand the structure of the essay. You don't understand how to put words together. You think about all the time people like Tennyson and Walden and Ralph Emerson Waldo um, spent just sitting and thinking and looking at people. And then you'll begin to understand how our phones are just stealing our imagination away from us. On the other side, phones are wonderful tools for helping people learn. You can create great games on different um, iPads and phones for children who are unusual learners to learn even better. So there's a yin and a yang. We just have to spend a little time creating those boundaries. I don't think we should ever take anything away, like prohibition when we took away alcohol. But I do think we need to, need to learn to manage things better. And you know what? That's, ex- that's exactly it. But that leads, just, that leads next to our next question. Um, what's the term for the fear of being without your mobile, your mobile phone? Well, interesting. A listener just emailed, or sorry, texted. I said email. (laughs) Um, Just texted it, which is nomophobia. N-O-M-O-P-H-O-B-I-A. Nomophobia. The fear of being without a mobile phone. Good for you, listener. (laughs) Um, I've never heard that term. That's a first for me. (laughs) Oh, it's pretty good. I've heard it a couple times. But, I mean, under, I've, I've accidentally um, left my phone at home, and I, I do panic a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't. I don't think I suffer from anything quite like that. But uh, I'm not sure that it's it's quite a psychiatric diagnosis yet. But I will look that up. But I have but heard that, that many isn't times. Isn't that strange to to feel like you're really missing something important, even though it's not really? I mean, if you need help, yes, you know, you can contact you know emergencies or a service, but you don't really need it on you. I've had I've had that fe- that fear. Um, even if I have left it, I'm like, oh my goodness, where's my phone? Oh, I can't do this. I can't call my mom. I can't call anyone. I can't call my fiance. Oh my goodness. Like start not going into like an insane panic, but like I just start seeing the limits of what I can't do. But in, in, in hindsight, it's like, do I really need it? (laughs) My life still goes on. Yeah. Um, one of the things I love from the text that we, like a couple of people have said, create tech-free zones in your home and in your life. So what you just said is interesting to me. Like, go for a walk without your phone. I mean, if it's a safety issue, don't do that. But when you're on your walk, the saddest thing I've ever seen is mothers walking their babies while they're on their phones. Yeah. yeah. I don't... You know, in my situation, I was forced to go back to work a couple days after my daughter arrived. And so I never had that time. Like, we never had time like that. If I was walking her, I was walking her to work because I took her to work with me. So now I look at it, and you can see the baby looking around. You can see the baby trying to learn. And and the father, the mother, the caregiver is on the phone. Like, it's just crazy instead of interacting with the child. And that's how children learn is through interaction, through play. And so it's very, very important you begin to start to create these tech-free zones. For example, when was the last time you walked into a McDonald's or any of those other restaurants where children weren't on an iPad or on a phone to keep them quiet? Why keep them quiet? Children are a lot of fun. McDonald's was really, I think it's for children. Happy meal, games in the playgrounds, all of those things. Why are they on the phone in that area? Um, so, I, anyway. I love, I love what you said. Like, why do we need to distract kids? You know, that's, that's a, that's a, that's something to really think about. Um, is it that, we need to interact more with the kids instead of being like, okay, hey, here, you're crying too much. Just just distract yourself with the iPad. Do whatever you want. Or, like, what what is the, the, the issue there? It goes back to that soother that I talked about earlier. Mm. Um, so many caregivers, mothers, fathers, grandparents, anyone is exhausted. Let's face it, at the end of the day, and you're working, and given the world today and the politics and everything, when you end your day, you're wiped. And it's really hard to interact with a child. I I grant you that. But it's been like that way for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And people were able to get by without our phones. And we still raised children. And they achieved. And they created. Like, think about the advent of the smartphone. Have we had a great leader produced from that era? No. 
he has created something that's imaginative, that's interactive, that's, that that idea has come up in the last almost 20 years now. In 2027, it'll be 20 years since the iPhone wow. came out. Wow. So what are we uh, doing like, to ourselves? That's, that's a great, yeah, that's true. Wow. That is very true. <laughs> now, there's some brilliant young people, and I've seen their work in different competitions and, like, how they're amazingly solving problems and what they're doing and how they're using AI to do that. Again, it's balance. Everybody needs boundaries in their life. We all need those guardrails. How do we begin to create them? So I think what we should do now, Richardson, is is jump into, hey, let's do a fun little quiz that you can figure out if you're a parent, a grandparent, or even for you yourself, um, how you could assess your child's or your digital device usage. Do you want to give it a yeah. shot? Let's All do right. that. Let's do All that. Right. Okay. Well, I can I can start with the first question. Sure. And so it says, how often does your child use digital devices like smartphones, tablets, or computers during their free time? A, <laughs> rarely or never. B, sometimes. C, frequently. Or D, all the time. Right. And Richardson, this is you. Does your child lose track of time while using digital devices? Just like you said, playing games. Yeah. So A, rarely or never. B, sometimes frequently. Is C. And D is all of the above. Personally, I, I don't have a child, but I'm going to answer it for myself. And I, I say uh, frequently. It's so funny when you say free time because free time is such an important word and I'm it feels like you kind of waste your time uh, using your free time on the mobile device. Got to change that. Well, I honestly think most parents, most adults, almost anybody listening would say, right, to pull mm-hmm. you in. And that's why we created the micro breaks so that you can just say, whoa, 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 I need to take a break. I need to clear that prefrontal cortex. I need to clear my forehead to just think about me. Mm-hmm. Just think about you. Yeah. Don't think about how you're making money for other people right now. Or maybe you should. Maybe you should think about yourself. Uh, and that doesn't happen when we lose track of time while we're on our digital devices. I think that's why we're also so stressed. Two out of three adults, uh, according to the Psychiatric Association um, American Association said that they rate their mental health as low. Obviously, technology, our environment has something to do with it. Let's let's do the next question so people can <laughs> assess themselves. Yes. So next question is, does your child lose track of time while using digital devices? No, no, we just asked that one. Yeah. <laughs> I think we have to do the next one. Okay. Okay, so question three. Does your child seem moody or irritated when they can't use their digital devices? A, rarely or never. B, sometimes. C, frequently. Or D, all the time. 
This is when I realized my brother had a bit of an issue. See, it said moody mm-hmm. because he shifted so dramatically. And if that begins to happen to children, if it begins to happen to adults when they're not on their devices, you know that maybe we should think about a plan and, and go and get some professional counseling. This is just one of those signs that you just start slowly taking it away more and more and more. But also, if you need a little help, there is help out there. There are people that can help you get it under control. They're professional therapists, doctors, practitioners, um, physicians, assistants. There's a lot of professionals out there that can help. Love that. I'm going to go to the next question. Sure. Does your child prefer digital devices over physical activities or hobbies? A, really or, rarely or never, B, sometimes, or C, frequently, or D, all the time? I'll leave that up to everyone on the line. Yeah. It's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. So last question, last but one. How often does your child stay up late or sacrifice sleep to use digital devices? A, rarely or never. B, sometimes. C, frequently. Or D, all the time. Excellent. Thanks, Rich. But I hope that people kept track of that because I want people to remember this isn't a diagnosis, just an awareness test. And it's something that I use all the time, not just for myself. These are questions I ask myself, but these were questions I began to ask with my daughter. And so if you have mostly A's and B's, your child's digital habits are probably healthy. If you have mostly C's, it's time for one of those talks. Your your child may benefit from discussion about digital use. You may want some of those tech-free zones. You may want to go for tech-free walks. You may want to do all of those kinds of things. And D, if you answered mostly D, your child is probably spending too much time on digital devices. But what this does is it begins to open up the conversation for us all when we don't know what to do. Again, start creating those guardrails for us. Because really, it's so new and parents are so challenged with this they don't have any information Um, they need to begin to start creating awareness for themselves and for others and I think um, as as we move into the end of our show I know we haven't played too many beats in this show but um, I feel like this topic we've had a lot of texts around this show um, I feel that this topic is really resonating with our listeners and they've shared some really interesting stories um, uh, Richardson why don't you write why don't you read a little bit about uh, what John wrote yeah so John said hi there Dr. Marianne Richardson thanks for having me <laughs> I have a 14-year-old daughter who spends hours on her smartphone. It seems like her whole world revolves around it. She becomes distant, moody, and doesn't seem to enjoy her hobbies anymore. I'm worried about her. I, you, so, you know. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to thank John for his input. And, um, you know, it's... That's a hard one. I really want to hear your insight, Dr. Mary, on this and 
Because this sounds similar to like what you're, you went through with your brother. Yes. I think it's more important in the book we discuss a family who had to deal with this. And what happened is I recommended A, they as parents go and get some professional advice because that's always the best way to deal with it. And then from that professional device, they started having conversations. In this case, it was a son, but it was the exact same distant, moody, not enjoying hobbies. In this case, the son was playing basketball. Um, And they were very, very worried because they were playing less and less basketball. They really wanted to be on their phone and what was going on on their phone. And they also started initiating family tech-free zones. For example, at the dinner table, at breakfast time, um, they had family conversations, even if it was about the weather. And it started at 5 and grew to 15 and grew to 20 minutes. These are just some of the ways that you can begin to identify, especially in teenagers, because they're at that age where naturally they're beginning to pull away from their parents and and um, as puberty is coming on all of these things are happening to them it's incredibly important to be that guardrail for your child or you could end up one night like I did walking upstairs and seeing your child under the covers on their phone and that's not good so again think about preventative and I, and I just want to say John thank you for sharing that story yeah you know, it's it's kind of funny. Like people make jokes about that nowadays on in, in uh, movies or whatever. It could be could be cartoons, but, but it's just become so normalized now. If you know what I'm saying, like just kids being on their phone, especially at nighttime, and always trying to hide their phone from their parents, has become so normal. And as you said, being that guard uh, is very important. So yeah, I want to second what Dr. Mary said, um, and thanks, <laughs> and thank you for your input on that. Um, but Rich, I know that we only have a couple minutes, so let's mm-hmm. just go through some of the great ideas that came up on our show today. And again, we're happy to share any of these and you know, talk about them a lot in the book. But for families, for um, people with children, uh, people caring for children, remember to create guardrails. Everything needs a guardrail, and currently we have no guardrails for our phone use. There's no rules. For example, you can't drink when you're 21. There's nothing like that for digital. So start creating them for your family. Set screen time limits. Establish clear rules for screen time, like that computer in the living room. Know when people are on something. Create tech-free zones. Bedrooms should be tech-free zones for all of us. The, you know, the dining room, if you have a dining room, we, you know, we just have a kitchen. Great. That should be a tech free zone. Lead by example. Children model their parents. Show your child the importance of staying off digital. Go for walks, go for talks, read a book, you know, do any of those things that shows them that you too are getting off the phone and engage in activity together. You know, even if it's just eating a hamburger, 
Talk to each other while you're eating the hamburger. Do things that don't involve screens. Family outings, a board game, maybe an adventure. Create, draw a map of your neighborhood and go on an adventure. Um, And then keep the communication open. That's the most important part. You've got to know what your child's doing. You've got to be able to see that phone. And you've got to, you know, you've got to start expressing your concerns also to elected officials. You've got to start talking to people and saying, okay, where are the guardrails for this? What should I be doing? Do you have any guardrails? And let's start seeing what we can come up with. Thank you for these five tips. Please apply this in your lives. I'm definitely going to apply this in my life and to have a healthier um, lifestyle and a healthier well-being um, digitally and also physically, too. All these impact your emotions and your physical body. So thank you again, Dr. Mary, for the five tips um, for parents and for all of us. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And this concludes this week's episode of Digital Wellness with Dr. Mary. Thank you, Devin. Thanks, Devin. The preceding program, Chicago's Weekend Wake-Up Call, was sponsored by the Digital Wellness Center and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of News Web Radio Company or its management.